Pastor Chuck Blair, great to have you joining me this morning. I know people are joining us from all over the country, all different kinds of days of the week. It's great to have you here today. And what I want to do is just offer a few quick things we have going on here at New Church Live. Again, we really try to serve both locally and also serve a wider, a wider audience as well online. And a couple of those offerings that we have for online folks, one is dealing with small groups. Like one of the things we try to do here at New Church Live a lot is, is to have a thriving small group program, to have a way where people get a chance to connect together and get a chance to just share thoughts, share connection, share how life is going for them. And, and we had our first launch for our small groups and it just, just started for a better adventure. One small group met at 7, another met at 8.30. You can still join either one of those. Just let me know. You can put a note in the chat. You can text me. However you want to let me know, you'll see the information right up there. You can take a screenshot of it. And, and this is the miracle of it, folks, right, is, is you take a, a random group of people, literally from all over, and you put them in a group, and sometimes the groups are like 6, 7, 8, up to 12. You know, they're not like overwhelmingly huge but you take a group of strangers whose lives are very different, but whose hearts are very much the same. And this beautiful connection takes place. Beautiful connection. So I really want to put out there an offer to you. If you have any interest in that, highly recommend you take part in one of these two small groups. We only have three weeks left. It's not a big commitment. We try to keep it to an hour. We try to keep on time. Have wonderful small group co-leaders who are, who are helping me out, one from Maryland, one from Colorado. And uh, yeah, just want to warmly invite you to that. And if Tuesday doesn't work, we also have a small group led by Reverend Nathan Gladish on Wednesday nights. And again, you can text or email me to sign up for those. The other thing I want to offer, a real simple one, is, is this basic, this basic, 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 really fun little Bible story thing we're doing for families. So, so at New Church Live, we know that, that you know, we have people from all over, and it's, it's, it's a challenge to like figure out, well, how, how do we do Sunday school in, in this kind of era? Well, the way New Church Live is trying to serve families is this simple way, Bible Stories with Pastor Chuck on Facebook Live. It takes place Sundays at 9 a.m. It's a short little 10-minute service. And literally, it comes from my desire. I just want the kids to know the stories. That's it. And I'm sure as parents, you share that same idea. Like, we just want our kids to know the stories. Because these are stories that are thousands of years old. And that have served families again and again and again in beautiful, life-giving ways. And they give our children this, this idea of place. As I said this morning, you know, the, the Bible, learning Bible stories, it's really only about two things. One is to realize God loves us. And the second part is to realize now we need to love other people. So it's a love that's constantly in circuit. And when we start to give these kids these Bible stories, it gives them a real foundation and base moving forward. And our thought in doing it was that if a family wants to join us for 10 minutes on a Sunday live, terrific. If a family wants to just show it Wednesday night at dinner, at the end of dinner over dessert, you pop it on the computer, you watch it for 10 minutes, great. It's designed to be super convenient, very simple to use, very basic, getting right to the point of what we're trying to do. So again, warmly invite you to take part in that if you're a young family. And that's what I have today, folks. It is wonderful to have you here today. 
what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at a better adventure. How does that how does that actually look? You know, we're in an adventure right now. You know, somebody was saying before church, like, some days I'm not so sure I want to get up. And, and I get that, right? And how do we create this, this new kind of better adventure, one that's a lot more rich out there into the world? So as the band comes out, folks, start thinking about that. Start thinking about what exactly does a better adventure, what does it look like for you? How does it work? What are you being called to? What's the vision out there in life? You know, that's what we're going to be talking about more and more today. So with that, folks, welcome to New Church Live. Aren't you ready to take on the world after that song? You know, ready to go. Boy, it is great to have you folks here joining us today. And we're going to look at that. Like, how does it look like to move forward, right, with an adventure? And I want to start with this. I want to start with a toast to adventure. You think about like how we have to honor adventure in our lives because according to you know, our, basic, our basic perspective is that God's got us on an adventure. Some days are going to be really, really exciting. <laughs> Some days are going to be terrifying. But we're on this adventure. And just let's toast it just for a second. Let's just honor that we're on an adventure together. Really no clue what this all looks like, all the changes that have happened. But that idea that somehow God has said, I'm putting you in this place, in this time, because you have something to bring to this adventure. Because you have something to bring to this adventure. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at, really, yeah, what, is it, what does it mean to really start to move forward and forward with this better adventure. And, and again, the subtext of this series, A Better Adventure, it's because this one's not a lot of fun. You know, like, how do we get into that better, that better place? How do we get into a place where we understand resilience more and more? And today's service is one actually that in, in the Jewish tradition gets repeated every year because it's so powerful. We're going we're gonna to do it today because it's a beautiful story and it deals with hands. So, whether you're watching online or you're here in person, I'm going to give you this summary. So I'd ask you to stand up. Stand on up. All right. Hands up. Little stretch. Little stretch more. There we go. There we go. Hands down. Now, one more time. Hands up. Ah, oh, hands down. That's today's sermon. And I, and I have to smile because I did this a number of years ago and I for, had forgotten to tuck in my shirt so my big old belly was there for all to see as part of church. And I got a nice reminder from an online viewer, don't ever do that again. So great to have you joining us. Please now be seated. And, and we're going to talk about what that hands up, hands down, what, is, what does that mean? Just that basic kinesthetic movement. And what does it have to do with this story? It's really, really enjoyable reading through uh, all kinds of spiritual literature from all kinds of different faith traditions. It's been particularly enjoyable over the past, past few months reading through some of these stories from a Jewish perspective. From our Jewish brothers and sisters have a beautiful way of reading some of these stories in very refreshing ways. They show us a lot about life. Last week we looked at this idea that there were really two crossings that took place. So these people were sitting over here, they were in slavery, they were enslaved back in, in ancient Egypt by Pharaoh. 
And there's a basic crossing that they had to make. We used this T to talk about it. There was this pushing out, this pushing away, this, 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 this movement away from being, from being in slavery, being enslaved, being in servitude, and it was pushed by fear. Pushed by fear. And there's a famous part of that story, famous part of that story, where, where literally they, they come up against the, the Red Sea. We see that in this picture, where they come up against the, this Red Sea, and, and they're forced to move forward. God parts the waters, they move forward. They were clearly, clearly in this picture being driven by fear. And a lot of the start of a better adventure actually, sadly, starts with that. We usually, there are a rare few people who actually choose a better adventure. Most of us, me included, have that choice made for us. We find ourselves pushed out of something and you can fill in the blank there, whatever that might be for you. Oftentimes there's a lot of fear, and we're pushed out, and we're pushed towards something. And then at some point in time, the second crossing takes place, the, the top of the T, and that's where we start to start to hear another vision. And maybe where those two meet is where we ask that question of God, now what? Now what? And that's where maybe the vision just starts to catch just a little bit. Don't hold this divorced way out there from life. I mean, I think this is part of our lives. I think this, these are things that our communities are wrestling with right now. Like, what now? What's the vision? How do we start to move forward knowing we can't live in fear forever? We have to start figuring out and moving towards this, this new place. One of the beautiful parts of understanding that movement is that there's these two crossings, and there's also two battles. And, and with these crossings, these crossings also start us to equip us for battles in the future, equip us for challenges in the future. Now, the first one, this beautiful line that we looked at last week from Exodus 14, here are these people, they're caught against the Red Sea, Egyptian army is coming. Just before the Red Sea parts, Moses gives this line. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. That first line, just to being still. And I'm going to come back to what that means in a little bit. Just that stilling of our fears. Just that be still. God has it. It's a really important starting place. And for some of you, no doubt, watching here today, those are probably the two most significant words I can offer to you. Let's just be still. Breathe and be still. Again, working with, with challenges and, and challenges in my own life, challenges with other people, community challenges, that's why, that's why it's so important just to remind people when you see that moment, just to remind them, like, just take a breath right there. They're being pushed. Fear abounds. And how do we just learn in that moment to be still? Then, folks, we enter a second place. We enter, uh, we cross into this new territory. And in, and in this new territory, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And act one becomes, a, becomes a, an act two. 
A first act becomes a second act. And this second act is, is an act where there's a battle. And, and this battle, folks, like, I don't want to overstate this, but, it, but it's always interesting to me. And I don't, I, I don't know if we all wrestle with this. I certainly do. Like, there's, I just want to cross over the river and for everything to be fine. I just want to make whatever adjustments have to be made and then just watch how easy everything is. That doesn't seem to be how it works. Because there is this first part where we learn to just be still, then we cross over and immediately there's a battle on the other side. It's not the old battle with the Egyptians. It's a new battle here with the Amalekites. So I want to read that for you and talk about what that, what that might mean in our lives. So this is it. This is from Exodus 18. The Amalekites defeated. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight them. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, they were losing. When Moses' hand grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur sat, held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now, now that, that story, folks, again, we preach on that fairly often because I think it's such a significant story. And, and notice, notice the shifts that are taking place here. Here's this one place where we stand. And the command, the command in this place is just to be still. We're, we're driven by fear. We're being pushed out of something. And here's just this basic command, just like be still. God's going to fight for you. And then we step into a new place. Part where vision starts to catch. And here's where God says, now it's time for you to fight. It's time for you to take this on. Adding the all-important caveat, and I am with you. As the Bible says, and I am with you even to the end of the age. It's such a big shift. We, we see purely like God's the only one doing the fighting over here. And then we come to a new place and we realize like, oh, we have a role to step up into as well. And, and I, I want to like focus on that idea. We have a role to step up into as well. Those two go together. I love the idea, again, that the command, choose some of your men, go out and fight the Amalekites, that shift. And then if we read it as somebody from the Jewish tradition would read it, they would read both these battles together. And the comment would be, this is about an inside stillness and an outside fight. So as the musicians come out for our middle song, I want us to think, like, what is, what is that really like? What is that like for you to have that, 
that deep stillness, peace has in it confidence in the Lord, that he, that he leads to a good end, no matter what the appearance is. That deep stillness. And at the same time, folks, looking out there for engagement. Where salvation, where, where we understand our spirituality, not just as a private endeavor, but as something that we move forward with in a way where we're doing the best we can to make the world a better place. Or we're doing the best we can to make the world a better place. What a, what a beautiful song. And, and that Be Here Now, like, it, folks, like it's, it's so important for us to start this, right? When we're looking at what does it look like to be still and fight at the same time? That we start with the idea, be here now, like you are in this adventure. You are in this adventure. You're not a detached observer looking out a reality over here. You're actually in that reality. You're looking from that reality. That we're in a time of immense change, immense shifts in so many different areas. And it's interesting, you know, last night we had, a, we had some friends over for, for dinner and, and they had done this adventure where literally they went to the airport and they didn't pick where they were going until they got to the airport, which sounds terrifying to me. But, but I was thinking like, yeah, I kind of think that's where, I have no idea where we're going. I don't know what the flight is. So, so can, we, can we literally like even toast adventure there? I may not know what the flight is, but I do know what True North is. I know what we're called to be. Let's start there. Let's be here now around those things. Or else we'll just get buffeted by the winds. Now, now that idea, folks, I think, I think so much of it, you know, we have to start with that, that stillness and the idea that, that, that with stillness, nothing makes more sense to us than our fears. <laughs> I, it just, my fears make so much sense to me. And they're crazy. I mean, they literally are crazy. Like, if I drive to New York City, I'll be swallowed up, never to be seen again. Like, like all these crazy fears, right? But they make complete sense to us. And that, in a way, needs to be broken. I, I, love the way, I love the way Kate Ballard talks about it. You know, she talks about, about fear, and, and she said, you know, it's, it's kind of like a flashlight. It's, it's good that you want to, like, use your fear, allow your fear to, like, illuminate what you love the most. But don't think, don't allow this to eliminate what you love. Allow it to illuminate what you love, not eliminate what you love. There's a big difference there. And, and I think we've all had that experience where, where our, our fears have overwhelmed and it essentially elimin eliminates everything we love doing. That's not, that's not what God is asking of us. He's asking for this stillness. That at a very deep level, he's got it. At a very deep level, there is a divine providence 
And the whole purpose of that providence is a heaven from the human race. That core okayness is really important to tap into. It's significant to talk about it. It's significant to give voice to it. It's significant to take the time to be still enough to know that that is true. And to witness places where God has it. I know one of the biggest challenges for for me as a parent is, you know, I was under this big illusion that our kids would turn 18 and all the worrying would stop. Right. Does it? Nope. Does not stop. Matter of fact, it's gotten worse. And the idea, like, what's the peaceful part? Like, what's the be still? Well, the be still is I I can't run my kids' lives. I would love to. I have lots of really helpful suggestions. But I don't have that role anymore. I have to be still and just get God's got their journey. God holds them too. I don't need to worry about God sort of missing them on his checklist. (laughs) He's got it. Now that's a real significant be still part. That has to come first, I think. I think, folks, you know, like like I I know the, the people who've really made a huge difference in my life it's, it's, you know, that old quote, still waters run deep. All of them have that stillness. And they're fighters. <laughs> and I'm talking male and female. They have that stillness and they're fighters. They really know how to fight. Fair. They know how to make a difference in the world. They know how to step up. They know how to show up. They know how to do all these things. And they've got a core stillness to them. You know, I was, I was chatting with a friend about all the different challenges around things, and, and, and this is a friend who, like, always brings to mind that stillness. And as he's leaving my office, he turns and says, you know, Chuck, if you ever just want somebody just to listen, I'd be glad to. That's that stillness. And we can't just stay in that that still spot. Like, like life is so short. God has given you work to do. Now, it's good work. It's challenging work. I don't know what it is, but you certainly have a sense of it. So with that fight, that's where I want to come back to this beautiful, beautiful image of Moses with his arms raised. Every time his arms were raised, they were winning. Every time his arms went down, they were losing. And I I look at this picture, and so much of this picture brings both that stillness and that fight together. Notice where they said, yeah, he was, they brought a rock for him to sit on a rock. I mean, the the, the analogy of that is so basic, right, folks? Like a, a bedrock truth. A bedrock truth. That's a, that's, a, that's a beginning resting spot. 
A simple example of that, I, I was working with a, with a beautiful couple this weekend, had a wedding, and, and we were talking about the word perfect and how the word perfect in the Bible doesn't mean perfect the way we would see it. The word perfect in the Bible actually means perfect soil, where the perfect number of different seasons would be another way to look at it. Your life, no matter where you find yourself, bedrock truth is that it's perfect soil. It's perfect. Because it got you to where you are today. It's going to help you grow into tomorrow. That's that bedrock truth. Now, one of the parts, folks, that I find so fascinating, too, in reading through the, the, the Jewish tradition on this famous story that you know, we've talked about a number of times here at New Church Live, you know, their, their perspective of these hands being held up was this, and this is real important. It wasn't that there was like some magical uh, whatever, spiritual stuff, pixie dust or lightning bolts coming out of his hands. Listen to this. Let's actually all get a big breath because this is really important. It was always this pointing up to remind people about God and to remind them what was worth fighting for. Pointing up to God, always reminding them what was worth fighting for. I love, love, love the analogy that, that of course, you know, Moses, as we all do, we need friends to help remind us of that. We can't just do that by ourselves. And sometimes, of course, we're the ones who need the help. And sometimes we're the ones who need to be the helper. We need to be the ones who are standing beside friends and family to help them keep that perspective. That's a unique challenge, I think, at this time in our community and our culture. I want to talk about what I think is worth fighting for. Now, again, we could, we could, I mean, we could list things. I mean, the examples of people's visions last week were all so beautiful. I mean, just incredible. And I want to take a slightly different tack today, thinking about what's worth fighting for. What do we really want to fight for? So I'm going to sit down over here to talk about it. So... So I was reading, you know, this, this article, and it was uh, written by a guy who had a pretty bleak view of life. And I thought, I'm not going to have dinner with this guy. But the, the bleakness of it was this. He was talking about Martin Luther King's famous, famous saying, which I love, which you all should commit to memory, the moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. That was his way of holding Christianity, that they had this arc and that, that it was an arc, it wasn't like instantly getting there, but it was always going to bend towards justice. It was going to bend towards goodness. It was going to bend towards rightness. And this article in the Atlantic Magazine, this one author said, look, there's no arc. There's just, we're all in the wilderness and it's chaos. <laughs> I thought, that is a downer. I mean, just think about that, right? Like, 
There's nothing. All there is is chaos. And our only goal is to fend off chaos. Have we all lived there on occasion? Absolutely. That is a very fear-filled place. But it's not a fear that will illuminate what we love. It's a fear that will actually eliminate what we love. And, and as I see it, my, my perspective on that kind of thing is, is it kind of leaves us with maybe one of two options. If there is no meaning, if there's nothing. We're all in the wilderness alone. There's no mile markers. There's no bigger picture. There's nothing bending towards justice. There's just this attempt to sort of fend off chaos. I think it only leaves us with these two options. One option is if it's just chaos, then my only job is to survive. My only job is to survive. Not a great place to live because literally it makes every single interaction a game of survivor. You know, where we all get together and decide who's voted off the island this week. Because when you say survive, it's all about survival, it rapidly gets into the Darwinian stuff, which doesn't work in society, works well if you're talking about turtles on the Galapagos Island, but not in society. That it is, you know, this idea of survival of the fittest, like, where does that go? Where does that go? I'm a history guy, it doesn't go good places. So what's the other alternative if, again, we believe like it's nothing but fending out the chaos? So I can look at it as, well, then my only job is survivor. Or it leads to a complete hedonistic view of, well, there are no rules. There's no right or wrong. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That, that particular view of that it's just about entertainment. I'm just, my only job is to entertain myself. Folks, I, I think that, and I, like, I feel like I'm going to be belaboring this because I, I want to keep coming back to this message because I think it's so important for us to share it as a community. Because I think we all wrestle with this. We live in an, in an era where entertainment possibilities are unimaginably large. We can't even, um, I can't even fathom. I mean, I grew up with three TV channels where if you didn't see it live, you didn't see it. Now, it's just like this huge basket of, of entertainment possibilities. And if life really has no purpose, then I should just indulge all of those. Whatever little rabbit hole they go down, I should just indulge that because that will feel good. It will be entertaining. Is the point of life to really fight for just survival? Is the point of life to fight for more entertainment? I realize that might sound a little strident, but I think it really matters to say it. 
There's so many things where we could answer, yeah, this is what's worth fighting for. This is what's worth fighting for. And, and you know it. Like, just picture in your mind right now what you know to be worth fighting for. I guarantee you've got a beautiful picture in your head right now. One I want to share, folks, is this idea of that is what is worth fighting for is gathering. Again, that might sound a little off the beaten path, but let me explain. One of the unique parts of churches, nonprofits, uh, synagogues, mosques, these, these, these places that are pointed towards the ultimate meaning of life and trying to gather people towards higher purposes is a very unique form of gathering. It's not a gathering that's based on, like, survival. Um, oh, what was the movie with, about the teenage boy, the, the book about the teenage boys who got shipwrecked on the island and had to create their own culture there? Somebody remember? It's Lord of the Flies. It's not Lord of the Flies. Like, that's the survival thing, right? It's not gathering like that. And it's not gathering just, like, how can we be more and more entertained? And, and if you think about that, think about like a big cheering football stadium, which granted is a lot of fun, <laughs> but, but it's, it's just a different, that's a different game. Like the gathering we're talking about here, folks, is, is a gathering that, that, that is around this. It's a gathering of, of 12 gates. This beautiful idea of a quote unquote city. 12 gates open on every side. Welcoming people, north, south, east, and west. As we preached about a few months ago, the light always on, people always welcome. And then it starts to move in this beautiful spiral. The spiral starts down here, which is, which is the very simple thing of an acquaintance, right? We just start down here with this circle of acquaintance. And I think our entertainment industry today is good at that. We can get acquainted with a lot of people. And what we're trying to do with saying gathering is worth fighting for, is we're trying to say, okay, so let's take that, just that simple acquaintance, let's move it up one more level to connection. To connection. I know if you're online, you, you can't see the, the audience here today, but one of the sweet moments we had in a small group last week was, again, I'm a small group leader with somebody from Colorado, and we have somebody who is from just, just about 10 minutes away on the same group, and, and this person from Colorado looks at the local person and <laughs> says, I am so glad you're in this group. I'm so glad we're in a group together. You inspire me. That doesn't happen if we just stay at the acquaintance level. That starts to happen when we move into the level of true connection, a true gathering. A cheering football stadium feels that way. I'm not sure it is that way. And then a third spiral. And that's the spiral, as we talk about all the time, of really learning to serve. When we start to be deeply acquainted with people, 
when we start to be deeply connected with people, then all of a sudden service looks really different. And it's this beautiful example of, of watching people just step up time and time again for each other. That idea of gathering, it's a different kind of gathering. It's not just gathering where we sit down and go like, oh, that felt so good. No, it's where we gather, and of course it feels good, but we gather as well, and we said, not only does that feel good, but that mattered. That mattered. That actually meant something very deep. I think those folks are, are what we're really trying to do. I, I think that's, that's the adventure we're trying to be on, is, is, these, is these new, very different, expansive ways of, of gathering. And it's, it's not just gathering like online or in person, though that, that's part of it, but it's, but it's a much deeper, richer kind of gathering that we're talking about. And it's a gathering that God is always inviting us to. It's not a gathering based on kind of like some self-help kind of thing. It's more about us than it is about individuals. It's more about how do we move forward as a group. That's, that's how it's intended to be. I highly urge you to take a look at my Facebook page and scroll back a, a couple, of, couple of days ago. Uh, somebody shared with me this beautiful, beautiful beautiful video by Kate Baller, one of my favorite Christian authors. And Kate's a young mom, she has stage four cancer, and, and uh, she wrote the book, I mentioned her book a couple of weeks ago, uh, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. And, uh, and she, she you know, in this interview, talked about once she got diagnosed with, with this cancer and was given, I think, a 17% chance of survival, she, she took her IV pole and she goes down to the gift shop. And if you watch her interview, she's, this is the kind of thing she would do. And she sees all the hospital books there and they're all self-help books, you know, sort of like, you know, you just need to decide it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, just positive mental attitude and all this goes away. And she slowly started like putting them in a pile and hiding them in the gift shop because she didn't want people reading that stuff. Like, I love that. I think that's so true. Like, it's, it's not just like this, this chipper thing. It's, it's no, this is, this is us really involving ourselves in it. This is ourselves really rolling up our sleeves. Really saying we're on a better adventure, now what? You know, letting that little hook of a, of a, of a vision start to capture us that starts to move us forward into do amazingly beautiful ways. And, and the beautiful part is, I don't think God is asking us things that are way outside of our purview. God will never ask me to dunk a basketball. I think God asks us to come back to that stillness. That part of where you know who you actually are and you know who God really is, and you sit on that rock, and you find that peace, and then you listen for God's voice from there. And what's the fight there? 
It's not fighting God. It's not fighting other people. It's, it's, it's being agents of change out there into the world. Bob Goff. Amazing, 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 amazing author. Highly recommend you read him. Bob Goff put it this way. And think of this in terms of silence and fight. Stillness and fight. Every day, God invites us on the same kind of adventure. It's not a trip where he sends us a rigid itinerary. He simply invites us. God asks what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. Beautiful lines there. And I love this last one. And then leaning over us, he whispers, let's go do that together. Let's go do that together. I don't want the idea of faith and church to kind of just bleed away into this entertainment realm. I know you share that with me. I think what we all want is to live lives of meaning and purpose. To do that, we've got a lot to figure out right now. How do our communities look? How do these communities that were so many of which were based on certain known tenets and all of that's being washed away very quickly, like how do we get back to what those are in a new era? First things first, what's the rock? Where do we find stillness? Where do we fight? What is worth fighting for? Those are questions we need to live into. That's where we want to go as a church. Because the last word is always this, folks, right? We get to be part of the problem, or with a smile and a much better adventure, <laughs> we get to be part of the solution. Let's figure this out together. Let's join with others who are trying to do the same thing. Allow it to start with you. Allow it to ripple out into connection. Always with the final word being, how do we serve? Amen. So what we're going to do now, folks, is I'm going to offer a prayer. Then we'll have the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer, then a blessing, and then our last and final song. Before I do that, I just want to give a last pitch as well. If you're interested in these kind of conversations in small groups, we're going to have a lot of different options coming up. We do have, again, two on Tuesday night, 7 p.m., 8.30 p.m. on Zoom. You can shoot me an email or a text if you'd like to enroll. And we also have an opportunity on, Tuesday, on Wednesday nights with Reverend Nathan Gladish as well at 7 p.m. So please join me in prayer as we close today's service. So Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for your spirit that walks among us and between us. Help us, Lord, to continue to step forward from a place of stillness and engage. Engage the world as best we can. Hearing your voice whispering to us, let's do that together. Help us to discover that 
Help us discover what that means, what that is given how you have made us, how you've created us. Help us to step forward in your name. Amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen.